Good morning. The scripture reading comes from Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 15. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the Lord on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses with Israel, when Israel, while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to, to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh for inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arbor. Arbor was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. This is the word of the Lord. Well, I want to take a little poll this morning, if y'all would raise your hands for me. How many people in here know who Michael Jordan is? You know who Michael Jordan is? That's right. Is there, are there any hands in here that don't go up? <laughs> Michael Jordan. Uh, I'm talking about the basketball player, by the way. The basketball player, that's right. Talking about the basketball player. Considered by, by many to be the uh, greatest basketball player who's ever lived. And while that's debatable, we can uh, just, for the sake of argument this morning, we're going to let that stand. All right? We're just going to let that stand this morning. Michael Jordan, for the sake of this sermon, greatest basketball player who ever lived. In fact, even my wife, even my wife, who was not an NBA fan like that or any sense, uh, she, she often reminds me that basketball just has, just has not been the same since Michael Jordan stopped playing. Since. <laughs> since Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls was winning championships, my wife doesn't watch basketball just like she used to. And most people know Michael Jordan, even those of you who were too young to watch him play. You know him because you know the shoes. Some of you probably wearing your J's. You, got, you know him because of the shoes. You know him because of his commercials. You know him because of Jumpman. You know him because his brand is world 
wife, arguably the most famous athlete in all the world. Most people know Michael Jordan. But fewer people know Scottie Pippen. Fewer people know Scottie Pippen. Dare I say that none of you young people would know Scottie Pippen. But the fact of the matter is, Michael Jordan never won a championship until Scottie Pippen showed up. And Michael Jordan never won a championship without Scottie Pippen. Well, Scottie Pippen is not as well known, even though he's still one of the greatest basketball players who ever lived. He's not as well known. He didn't have no huge shoe contracts. He didn't have no, he had no commercials. He had no billboards. He didn't have worldwide acclaim. But what made the Chicago Bulls great? and win all those championships back then. It wasn't just the greatness of Michael Jordan. It was also the greatness of Scottie Pippen. And Scottie Pippen was great because he didn't necessarily have to be seen as great. Unlike most of the professional athletes today, Scotty didn't need to be the man. That's right. That's right. Got a little Cam Newton over there. <laughs> Scotty didn't need to be the man. Scotty just wanted to win. And he did his part in Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen won a lot of games. If I was to take a poll this morning and ask you how many of you know who Joshua is, dare I say, and I'm not talking about Mathis, by the way, most of you could tell me something about him. He has a book in the Bible after him. Songs were sung about him. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. And what? See, you know who Joshua is. He's the one who succeeded Moses. He's the one who asked the Lord to have the sun stand still. But what if I'd ask you this morning who is Caleb? I'm not talking about Caleb Jackson call you or anybody like that. You probably know them. It's not about the Caleb of the Bible. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. We have songs about him. So how many of you know about Caleb? He doesn't have a big book named after him. We don't sing songs about Caleb. As far as we know, there were no great miraculous wonders done through his hand. And yet, when Moses was fighting 
Caleb was by his side. When Joshua fit the battle of Jericho, Caleb was by his side. In fact, with Moses and Joshua, with every victory, along with them, faithfully fighting was Caleb. So much so that the Bible reminds us that he was allowed by God to enter the promised land. Caleb was a great man, beloved. And he was great because he didn't need to be seen as great. He just wanted to be faithful. You can say like Scottie Pippen, Caleb just wanted to win. He wanted to win for the glory of God. He wanted to win in life. He wanted to win in faith. And that's what we see this morning. Our text reminds us. It speaks of, of Caleb. It takes a little excursion from the life of Joshua and the nation to remind us that there was one with Joshua. And that one was Caleb. And his was a life of faith this morning. Our text this morning puts the spotlight on Caleb. Israel wasn't just victorious because they had Moses. Israel wasn't just victorious just because they had Joshua. Israel was victorious, beloved, because they also had Caleb. The name Caleb, you know what it means? Probably not. It means dog. Dog. That's right. It means dog. But it doesn't just mean any dog. It means a, a faithful dog. A dog who is true to his master. We first learn about the Caleb in Numbers. You remember where he, along with Joshua, where he was commissioned as one of the 12 who were going to be sent out to spy out the promised land. And Caleb and Joshua and the 10 others, they go into the land and they spy out the land. And, and when they return, the others, the other 10 came back with a fearful report. But Caleb and Joshua came back with a faithful report. In fact, it was Caleb who said, in particular in Numbers chapter 13 and, and verse 30, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome. While others were operating in, in fear of what they saw in the land, Caleb came back and reported a report of faith, reminding them that God is with us and we can and we surely will take the land. Well, beloved, we know the story, right, as we looked at it during the life of Moses. Um, 
The report of the majority won out, and the people operated in fear. And therefore, they were not allowed to enter into the promised land. But you know what the Bible says about Caleb, even after that incident? Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Caleb is spoken of as one who has a different spirit. A different spirit. A spirit that the Bible says is willing to follow the Lord, to stand against the crowd, to go against the world. Caleb was different. He was different because all he wanted to do was win for the Lord. That's all he wanted. That's all he wanted to do was win for the Lord. And that's why the Bible says six times, six times, the Bible says of Caleb, he followed the Lord fully. Followed the Lord fully. Caleb was different. He was different. He was different because he wasn't seeking recognition. He was different because he wasn't searching for acclaim. All he wanted to do is live for Jesus. Now, beloved, that's different. I mean, you may not... You, you may not think that it's different, but when you really consider what it means to live for Jesus, and if you ever truly desired to live for Jesus, you'd be different. I mean, you think it's different. You go out here and color your hair purple. That ain't different. You go out there and get all the tattoos you want because you want to be different. That ain't different. That was different when Dennis Rodman did it, but it ain't different no more. You out here and get all these piercings and all these things in your nose and in your lips and in your tongue and in your ears and everywhere else. That ain't different. But you dare stand up for Jesus. You dare seek to live faithfully for him. You dare to walk and talk for Jesus. And I guarantee you, they're going to look at you and say, She's different. Caleb was different. He was different because the Bible says that he was willing to follow the Lord fully. He was different. Rick Warren said, those who follow the crowd usually get lost in it. That ain't different. Following Jesus is different. Because he was different, and because he was faithful, the Bible says that Caleb, along with Joshua, was allowed to enter the promised land. And in our text this morning, Caleb comes to Joshua, and he reminded Joshua. Joshua, 45 years ago, the two of us came back with a faithful report. And because we were different, the two of us 
are the only ones still standing. For 45 years, Joshua, we've been trusting Jesus. For 45 years, we've been serving the Lord. For 45 years, we've been fighting and believing God. And now, Joshua, it has come time to reap the rewards of a life of faith. 45 years reminds us gives us testimony of what that life of faith is, beloved. What has he been doing for these 45 years? I think it's instructive for us this morning. You want to be different? You should be if you are a Christian. You want to be different. You want to live a life of faith. Then you listen to Caleb. Listen to Caleb as he recounts to Joshua. What a life of faith is. First of all, a life of faith is built on the promises. It's built on the promises, isn't it? You know, at this time, Joshua is beginning to dole out the land, right? He's, he's separating the land, and he's beginning to give out the land, to divide the land up among the tribe of, tribes of Israel. And it says here that the tribe of Judah comes to Joshua to receive their portion and as they are about to receive their portion, Caleb speaks up. He speaks up, not necessarily on his behalf, but on that behalf of the people of Judah. Speaks up on behalf of the tribe of Judah. And he says in verse 6, Moses, remember the words the Lord said concerning you and me. Remember. In other words, Moses, don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget the promises of God. Don't forget what God said. Now I love this because what Caleb is going to remind what Caleb is going to remind Joshua is that he wasn't putting words in Moses' mouth. He wasn't taking God's words out of context, beloved. He knew what he was saying, and he knew he was standing on those promises. And so Caleb could come to Joshua and be bold. He could come to Joshua and be confident. Because all these years, as the old preacher would say, he was standing on the promises and not just sitting on the premises. All the time, he said, Moses, I mean, he said, Joshua, remember what Moses said. 45 years ago, that promise was made. Verse, verse 9 verse of chapter 14. 45 years ago, that promise was made. And Caleb is still believing. He is still trusting. He is still standing. He is still Trusting that God's word will come true. You know what the Bible says about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Luke chapter 1, verse 45. It calls her blessed. And you know why it calls her blessed? Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. 
trusting and believing. Beloved, our lives are built upon promises. Whether you realize it or not. Our lives are built upon promises. Now, it's the promise that your parents make to you that, you know, you do such and such, I'm going to give you this birthday gift. And you live your life based on the promise that on your birthday you're going to get such and such and such and such. Our lives are based on promises. We live on based on promises of what we're going to get for Christmas. If we're nice, if we're not naughty, and we have received the promise that at Christmas time when we're going to get a certain gift, and we live our lives according to the promise. All of our lives are built up on promises. You, know, you go to school, and you labor hard in school, and you do the work that you're supposed to do, and you get the grades you're supposed to get. Why? Because you have been promised that at the end of your matriculation, there will be a diploma. There will be a degree, a, a decree, based on the fact of a promise that has been made to you. Every day you go to work. Every day you go to work. And why do you go to work? Because you've got faith. At the end of the week, or in two weeks, or at the end of the month, somebody has promised you that you're going to get paid. You live your life based upon promises. If you're married this, this morning, you're in that relationship based upon the promises that have been made. All of our lives, beloved, are based in promises. Never more so than when it comes to our relationship with God. Our lives is built, our lives are built upon the promises. Do you know the word of God? that you have in your hand is simply this. From beginning to end, beloved, it is promises made and promises kept. That's what the scriptures are. From Genesis to Revelation, it is promises made and promises kept. Every morning, we come here and we teach and proclaim the Word of God. And all we are doing, beloved, is reminding you that God has made certain promises and that God has promised to keep those promises and that you now in return should be faithful promise keepers. That's what the Bible is about. God promised Abraham, didn't he, that he would have a land full of abundance. And here he is keeping that promise. God promised Abraham that his descendants would be like the stars. And we look all throughout the world and, in, and all throughout history and we see in Revelation a number that is beyond numbering. God promised Abraham that his seed would bless the nation. And there is no one more of a blessing to the nations than is our Lord Jesus Christ, whom the Bible calls the seed of Abraham. In Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, 
God promises perfect peace for all who keep their mind on him. Promises. Promises. In John 3.16, God promised that all who call upon the name of Jesus will be saved. Promises made and promises kept. In John chapter 6 and verse 37, Jesus promises that whoever comes to him, he will in no way, no how, cast out or cast away. Promises made and promises kept. In Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, Jesus promises to be with you always, even, even to the end of the earth. It's important to remember this morning that God doesn't give out his word lightly. He's not like us. He's not at the altar one day saying I do and at the courthouse the next saying I don't. He doesn't do that. But the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, the Lord watches over his word to perform it. Watches over his word to perform it. And the life of faith, Caleb reminds us, is a life built upon and standing upon the promises of God. Standing. Standing upon the promises of God. It's not just standing upon the promises of God, but it is also filled with purpose. The life of faith is filled with purpose. Caleb survived those 85 years in his life. He survived those 45 years following his original commission while most others did not. And why did he survive, beloved? Why did he make it? Why did he make it? I mean, he and Joshua are the oldest people around. How did he make it? He made it because he was standing on the promises, but he was also confident in his purpose. He was confident in his purpose. When you see that, because Caleb understood that God had a purpose for his life. And the life of faith is always purposeful. And so he went to Joshua. He went to Joshua, and he says to Joshua in chapter, in chapter 14, verse 10, he said, essentially, like you, Joshua, I am old. But God has not left me here for no reason. I am alive for a reason. I can still fight. I can still serve. I can still lead. So he says, God promised my people that land. And I am here today to help them take it. This is so important. I mean, this is so important because you are not here by accident. I mean, I want you to get this in your, in your mind as you're seeking to live your life of faith. Your life, no matter where it has been, no matter where it is, has not been an accident. God didn't save you for you to just be wandering aimlessly throughout the world. But he saved you with a purpose. He saved you with a plan for your life. As Jeremiah chapter 29, right in verse 11, reminds us that the Lord knows the plans that he has for you. 
plans to prosper you and to not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Faith gives us purpose because it reminds us that faith focuses not on us, but faith focuses on Jesus. And that becomes the plan, that becomes the purpose, that becomes the mission. Because as the book, The Purpose Driven Life reminded us, you and I were made for mission. Made for mission. What got Caleb going every day? What got him going every day? Even at 85 years old, because he had a sense of mission. His life had a point. His life had a purpose. And it wasn't for Caleb. It's for the glory of God. It's for the good of the nation. It's for the glory of Christ. Caleb was on mission when he was first called at 40. He was still on mission at 85. You realize that? When he was first called and Moses told him to go on mission to spy out the land, he was 40. And for the next 45 years, he was still on mission because he saw the land and he never gave up that vision. And for 45 years, he's been on mission. I'm getting back to that land. Because that's what the Lord has promised us. 45 years. You know, it is important to understand and to remember that Jesus didn't come into the world by accident. No, he didn't. And nor did he die by happenstance. But Jesus came to the world on mission. Jesus was born to die. He was born to die so that you and I could live. And he didn't save us just to sit. Whether you're 8 or 85, the Lord has a wonderful, though at times difficult, plan for your life. You know what that plan is? It's to follow Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. One of the last words that Jesus said to Peter in John chapter 21, verse 22. And Peter's looking around to see what, what's going to happen with John, what John's going to do. And Jesus said to Peter, don't you worry about what anybody else is doing. You have one job. You got one job. And that's to follow me. Follow me. That's the mission, beloved, following Christ. That's the mission. That is the mission. Follow Christ. And if you follow Christ, you know what he's going to do? He's going to take you. He's going to take you to the cross. 
and there at the cross, you're going to find him crucified, and there you're going to find yourself crucified. But he's not only just going to take you to the cross. If you follow him, don't stop following at the cross, because if you go from the cross, he's going to take you to the grave. Okay, and you're going to go there, and you're going to see that he died, and there you're going to die to yourself. But don't stop following him at the grave. Because if you keep following him, you know he's going to take you. He's going to take you to the resurrection this morning. And as he was raised, so you will be raised with him. But don't stop following him there. Because after the cross, and after the grave, and after the resurrection, you keep following him He's going to take you to heaven. He's going to take you into the promised land. That's why Joshua and that's why Caleb can say, I followed him all the way. You know, you know some people get to the cross, they don't want to follow no more. There were disciples of Jesus who got to the grave and said, oh, that's it. He's gone. Beloved, go with him. Go with him. Go with him all the way. Follow him all the way. Caleb followed him all the way. 45 years later, he is still on mission, and he is ready to follow him into the promised land, into his full inheritance, into the fullness of his reward. That's what the life of faith is, you know? It's a life built on the promises. It is a life filled with purpose. It is a life willing to fight for peace, right? When, 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 when Caleb came to Joshua, you know what I'm thinking? Joshua smiled. Joshua smiled. Joshua was thrilled. Joshua was encouraged. And you know why, beloved? Because that's the nature of leadership. Leadership gets encouraged. Leadership is overjoyed when people come and join the fight. When people come and volunteer for service. You want to put a smile on Pastor Phil's face this morning? Tell him, I want to volunteer with the children. Tell him, I want to teach. Or better yet, just say, Pastor Phil, put me somewhere. Joshua was encouraged. Joshua was blessed. And you know what he did? The Bible says in return, verse 13, 
Joshua blessed Caleb. And the reason he blessed Caleb is because Caleb had blessed him. Caleb had blessed Joshua because Caleb reminded Joshua that God is still with us. Us, the old heads in the group. Us, the Lord is still with us. Joshua, he is still keeping the promises that he has given to us. He is still giving, our, giving promises to us. He is keeping those promises. And that promise is to bring us into the fullness of this land and give us rest. 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 To give us peace. To give us peace. Caleb said, I'm willing to fight. If I got to fight one more time, I'm willing to fight. But Joshua, I'm not just fighting for the land. I'm not just fighting for the land. Listen, beloved. He's fighting for peace. He's fighting for a place for his people to enter into their rest. It's what he's fighting for. For this is the point of the land. You do understand, right? The point of the land is not just to have a place to build a house. The point of the land is not just to have a place to live. The point of the land is so that the people could experience peace and rest. That's what he says, Joshua chapter 1. In case you've forgotten, verse 13. Remember, the Bible says, the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, the Lord your God would give you rest by giving you this land. That's the point. The point is peace. The point is rest. Beloved, God calls us to fight. He does. He calls us to engage the battle. He calls us to put on the whole armor of God. He calls us to not be fooled by the schemes and wiles of the enemy. He calls us to take every thought captive. He calls us to be engaged in the fight. But understand, war is not the goal. The goal is peace. The goal is shalom. The goal is peace and rest from battle. That's what the children of Israel failed to understand. That's what they failed to understand. When the first time in Numbers chapter 13, when they were supposed to be going into the land, and they, rather than responding in faith, responded in disobedience, that's what they failed to understand. It failed to understand it wasn't about the land. It was about entering into the peace and rest of God. And because they didn't have faith to enter into the peace and rest of God, guess what they did? They wandered in the wilderness 40 years with no peace, with no rest. And you know what the writer of Hebrews says? Chapter 3 and verse 10. God was not pleased with them. Because of their unbelief. And notice what he says. And therefore they failed to enter into his rest. 
And for 40 years, and for 40 years, for 40 years, beloved, they wandered in the wilderness with no peace. They wandered in the wilderness with no rest. And now they have come under the leadership of Joshua, and particularly in this case, under Caleb. And Caleb, and the Bible says that after Joshua gave Caleb the land, and Caleb went into the land and conquered the people in the land, notice what the Bible says in verse 15. And the land had rest from war. Because that's the goal. That's the goal. This is the goal of all God's people. Is rest. Is rest. That's the point. You know I'm gonna do, you know what I'm gonna do this afternoon? You know what I'm gonna do this afternoon. There's no secret. I am going to go home. I am going to take off my shoes. And I am going to rest. Same. I am going to take a nap. I love my Sunday afternoon naps. Love them. Can I get amen? Amen. I love my Sunday afternoon naps. And I don't understand. You know one of the things I don't understand is that when I was in elementary school, they made me take a nap. And then when I got to high school, they wouldn't let me. What is up with that? But beloved, when I get home this afternoon, my body will naturally just slow itself down and rest and take a nap. But I don't want to confuse you this morning. And when the Bible talks about rest, it's not talking about taking a nap, beloved. Oh, that nap is good. But that nap is just a foretaste. It's a foretaste of the real rest that is promised the people of God. When Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not saying I'm going to give you a nap. Okay? Don't get that twisted. He's not saying I'm going to give you a nap. But what he means is that I am going to open up for you a place of rest. I am going to prepare a place for you where you will not nap, but rest. That's what heaven is. You realize that? Heaven, heaven is a place of rest. Heaven is not a place of sleep, even though sometimes it feels that way. Heaven is not a place of sleep, beloved. You don't go to heaven and think you're going to sleep all the day long. No. It's a place of rest, not because you sleep. It's a place of rest because there's no more war. There's no more battle. There's no more fighting. There, there, there's no more of railing against the things of this world. In Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13, the Bible says, Blessed are those who die in the Lord. But what happens? Well, they will have rest from their labor. That's what happens. That's what happens. 
When you enter into Christ's fullness, you enter into his rest. No more labors. No more wars. No more fighting against the things of this world. No more cutting grass. No more shoveling snow. No more fighting against sin and sickness. Over. No more fighting against doubts and fears. Over. No more struggling with grief and disappointment over. No more striving against the devil and his demons over. You will enter into that eternal rest. Blessed of God in Christ Jesus forever. This is the rest. For all those who are trusting Christ this morning, beloved. This is the rest that, like Jacob, is promised to those who are seeking it, living the life of faith. That life standing on the promises. That life that is filled with purpose. That life is striving after peace. And you know what? The Lord desires that we all would enter into that. Even this morning, even this morning, Christ says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden, all you who are burdened, and he will give you rest. There is a rest that is promised for the people of God today. Because there is a rest that is guaranteed for the people of God in all eternity. And the Lord says, come enter into that rest. Enter now. Enter now. Beloved, I pray that there is not a person here this morning who would leave here not knowing the rest that comes from trusting and resting and believing the Lord Jesus Christ. He is here and he desires that you and I would know the promise, trust the promise, that he has given to all his people. That there is soon coming a day. When you will rest. When you will study war no more. And the land will know peace. Would that be you this morning? Is that you this morning? I want to bow our heads this morning. I want to pray. If there's anyone here, beloved, who, who really needs to know the rest that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you this morning. You need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And know that he died so that you might live. That he fought that you might enter into his rest this morning. That you can stand upon his promises. That your life has purpose. And that there's a blessedness of peace for all those who trust in him. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, is there somebody here this morning 